Tonight we're going to continue our Bible study of what we started with last week. And last week we talked about our sphere of influence, the oikos. And so tonight I'm just going to title it, I've already told you the title. How many can remember what the title was going to be? We've already kind of been talking about it here tonight. House party, that's right, the house party. So tonight I'm going to be continuing um, Oikos Part 2, the house party. There is a lot of this that's in, in my notes, and so I actually have 25 pages of notes, and that's the most I've ever had. So I will do my best to not keep us here until tomorrow. Uh, if we don't get through, we just don't get through. But some of this is there's just a lot to dig into, and I believe that it is the direction that God is wanting to take us. So Luke 15, verse number 1 says... Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he, so he spoke this parable to them, saying, One man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Verse number 7, And I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Tonight, we've already talked about the title, but let's just go ahead and look at the picture. I thought, what else could say a party in the middle of a Pentecostal church than disco balls? So I figured that was the safest thing to, that you would figure we would never have in the house of God. So I said, why don't we just put those on the screen? That's about as close as we'll probably ever have them here. So tonight, we're going to be talking about our oikos, and then we're going to have a house party. Just to remind us of what the oikos is, it is a dwelling. By implication, it's, it's, it's your family. It's the home, the household, the temple. Your oikos is your primary base of relationships. It's your relational sphere of influence. If I can go back to what we talked about last week. It's, it's those that are closest around you and those that you have influence on, but also those that have influence on you, an example would be your family, your neighbors, your friends, and co-workers. It's more than just the four walls of your home. It's more than just the four walls of this building. It's the sphere of influence. Your sphere of influence is the people that you have direct conflict. Con conflict. I hope you don't have conflict with them. It's the people that you have direct contact with uh, in your life. That is your sphere of influence. It's, it's those that you have contact with. I began to look at more data and I found the Barna Data Track church attendance patterns of, the Christ, of Christians, just anyone that called themselves a Christian. This was not a particular denomination. This was just someone that self-identified, to borrow a term from our generation, they self-identified as a Christian. The general population during 2020, this is before pre the pre-pandemic benchmark. It shows some dramatic changes in church attendance patterns and attitudes towards church. 
In 2020 alone, 22% of church adults have stopped going to church in person or even watching it online. A church adult is a person that belongs, participates, or says they belong to a church. That's a very broad definition. That is basically if you can say, yeah, I'm a member of that church down the street. When's the last time you've been there? I've been about six months. They still consider that a church adult because you say that you have a membership there. A 2021 Gallup poll shows that for the first time, less than half of all Americans claim to belong to a church. Less than half. 2019, only 14% of all U.S. adults said they never went to church. But one year later, 2020, 12 months later, that number jumped from 14% to 53%. That's almost a 40-point jump in less than 12 months. More Barna data indicates that 28% of the adult population has not attended any church activities, including services, in the past six months. That translates to nearly 65 million adults. If we were to add their children that are under the age of 18 who still live with them, if we add them to this number, they said that that number swells to well over 100 million people that say they have not attended any church activity. The Barna Group also reports that based on past studies of those who avoid Christian churches, now we're just looking at people that say, I'm just avoiding them at all. One of the driving forces behind such behavior is the painful experiences endured within the local church context. One study among unchurched adults shows that nearly four out of every ten non-church going Americans, 37%, said they avoid churches because of negative past experiences in church or with church people. Nearly 40% of the people that will not darken those doors say it's because they've been hurt. Hurt people. Brother, Brother Bowman was just telling me before church, right before service, that, that he believes that church should be a hospital. It is a place for hurt people to come. It is a place that we must come and we must understand that hurting people will hurt people, but we have to create a safe atmosphere for them. And believe it or not, people get hurt at church. They get hurt by church people. They get hurt by the church. Hopefully this will never happen, but they get hurt by the pastor, by the pastor's wife. Hopefully it will never happen by anyone that's watching online or is actually here tonight. But they get hurt by people that go there. We were joking earlier before service about not getting in a certain person's seat because it's their assigned pew. But people will be get they will they will even be so petty as to get upset and offended because someone sat in their seat. Some of the things that that people will get hurt over are simple misunderstandings that if they would simply have a conversation, they would know that the person didn't mean anything or in the context of what was said, the pain was never meant. It can be complete ignorance on the part of a person. Sometimes we forget that even churches are filled with people. 
And not all people have all wisdom. Not all people are the brightest. Not all people are even the nicest. And believe it or not, even Christians make mistakes. It is not, I do not believe that anyone has ever purposely hurt anyone. But I believe that it has happened. I can say it in my own life. It was not the things that have happened in in our own life. Because we can joke, I can joke about having assigned seats. Because even in the church that I said I loved and and I considered it to be my home church. uh, Even there I had someone come to me and tell me, you're in my seat. (laughs) Really? Really? It's no one here, and there's an entire row. Nope, I was in there. Even even in a place that I love the pastor, that I love the people, that my best friends go there, my sphere of influence of people that speak into my life, even in that place, because people went, those things happened. The person walking around with the hurt is not the only one dealing with that pain. Every once in a while, there are people that are around them. Anyone ever been heard and found out that the person responsible was completely oblivious to what they did? That makes you feel good, doesn't it? You're walking around with the hurt and the pain, and you're walking around with all of the situations that are going on in your life because of something that happened, and if it was brought up to them, they would look at you and say, I have no idea what you're talking about. They're just completely oblivious because they had no clue of of even what was going on. I'm not saying that some people aren't there. They're just simply not nice. But the majority of the problem is that people have zero clue of anything that's going on. And that's why tonight I'm saying that the body must be sensitive. The body must be sensitive, not just in these four walls, but the body must be sensitive when we're in the restaurant. The body must be sensitive when we're at Walmart, when we're, when we're at the grocery store, no matter where it is that you're The body must be sensitive. Because believe it or not, even while you're walking the aisles of the grocery store, there is someone that's in there more than likely that has been hurt in the house of God. We are not here to judge. This is not a place of judgment. I remember 1 Peter 4 and 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And it begins first with us. And what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? It begins with us. I'm not here to judge anyone else. I'm simply here to make sure that I'm right. To make sure my attitude is right. To make sure that what I believe is lining up with Him. Because there's someone that's broken. And the moment I start judging, you realize how many walls are already up and it took the courage for them to even speak to you when they saw and I'll just, they knew you were Pentecostal. Oh, you're one of those. I was. Do you know how many times since I've moved here and, and since we, we've become senior, do you know how many times that I've heard, oh, I was raised apostolic? But now. All I can do is try to tell them 
that being raised a certain way, that means you understand that people can hurt people, but yet God still loves you. There's something on the inside of me that says, I know that people are hurting. I know that people are broken. And if I will examine myself, if I will begin to look on the inside and make sure that my attitude is right, that I can be sensitive to those that are around me, sensitive to others that are around us, sensitive to those that not only walk in these doors, but we walk around every single day. We must understand we have a responsibility. It's not an option. This is not something that I'm getting up here and saying, well, this would be good if we did this. How much fun would it be if we did this? No, this is not. This has never been presented to anyone as an option. The Bible says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? He doesn't say, you know what would be really good if you had one lost sheep? Maybe someone should go and... No, he says, who among you that if they had one that was lost would not go out? You've got a hundred sheep. You've got something you're responsible for. You lose one of them. And then all you do is you leave the 99 and search until you find it. That doesn't sound like an option to me. It sounds to me like it's a directive from Almighty God Himself that's telling us that there are going to be those that get out of the fold and you're going to have to leave those that are safe and you're going to have to search until you find the one that's not. You're going to have to search until you find the one that's broken. Find the one that's in danger. Luke 15 and 8. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. She loses one. She lights a lamp. She sweeps the house and searches. The lamp is personal. The lamp doesn't just light up the entire neighborhood. No. She gets personal with her search. She begins to look personally. She begins to look at things, everything that she may have touched, everywhere that she may have been. She begins to look and see, can I find it? And it begins to look, and it's a deep down personal look, and she doesn't stop looking until she finds it because she recognized that it's something that means something. I've heard it taught that the coin was more than likely in the story part of a dowry. It was personal. It meant something. It stood for something in a relationship, and she had to find it because without it, a part of the relationship was gone. When we come in here to the house of God and the one that has been sitting beside us is no longer there. There's something missing and we have to care enough to begin to search. When we come into the house of God and we begin to look, we have to understand that we can never stop caring. We can never stop reaching. The Pharisees didn't understand when they looked at Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes, they complained. They looked at Jesus and they said, oh look at him eating with sinners. Look at him and look at the way that he is. I want us to understand that they had everything in their own mind, in their own way, but Jesus said, I need somebody that's going to care about the lost. I need somebody that's going to care about the broken. I need somebody that's going to go out of their way. I need somebody that's going to notice that there's someone that's been missing in action for a few services. Take it upon yourself to not only look, but to keep looking until they're back home safe. When's the last time you've taken it so personal? I know we're supposed to be having a party. We'll get there. But when's the last time we've taken it so personal 
that we put ourselves out to find someone that was broken. Well, I prayed for them. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Appreciate it. Was it a serious prayer or was it one of those, I'm going to pray for you, and then as soon as they're gone, you forget all about what you're supposed to be praying about? Or is it something on the inside that you say, I'm going to get down and I'm going to get a hold of God and I'm not getting up from here until I have an answer? Shouldn't we be doing that anyway? I'll never forget him. His name was Brother Smith. J.O. Smith. We had moved seats at the Life Church. We came in and we sat in the center section because... You know, it's easier to come in the doors and you can kind of just get in. And if I needed to get out, I could because uh, of things that I was a part of at the church. And, and so we, we sat there and there were a couple families that came in that needed our seats. And I have that in parentheses. Our seats. Because there were no assigned seats. It's just that happened to be where we would always sit. The, the way that we got to that place is uh, a man in the church there, Jamie O'Neill, decided that he was going to go to the youth section and he was going to borrow, not steal, but borrow one of their reserved signs. He thought it was funny. And he said, I'm going to put you a reserved seat right here so that you always have to be in front of me. And I said, that's fine with me. He didn't think I was going to take him up for it. And I came in the next Sunday and he had it sitting and I sat there. And all of a sudden that became my spot. It, it just, I, I took him up on, you're going to reserve me a seat. Well, then I'm going to sit here. And he tried to say, well, i got to keep an eye on you. And I said, I don't care what you got to do. you got a reserved seat and I, I have a place to sit down. Well, Jamie sat behind me and Brother Smith sat in front of us. This family came in and they needed the row. And I said, you know what, that's fine with me. We'll move, we'll go over here, and we sat on the other side of the church, and about three Sundays went by, and Brother Morgans comes and grabs me and says, I need to talk to you about something, will you come with me? And I'm like, Kim's right here, so it can't be anything that's bad and horribly going on, you know, with Kim. And, and so I was like, okay, that's fine. And he's all serious. I, I didn't know who had died, who, what had happened. And, and so, I mean, he's got me, and we're, he's not letting me go. And, I, and finally, I just, I, I just asked him, I said, What's wrong? He said, Brother Smith has not seen you in three weeks and he wants to make sure you're okay. I was like, what? You know, I've been here. Brother Smith, he said, has not seen you in three, way, three weeks and wants to make sure you are okay. He doesn't have your number. He wasn't able to call you. And he told me he's not leaving here today until he finds out that you're here. Will you please give him your number? <laughs> in that moment, that was one of the greatest feelings in my life. Really? Yeah. He cared about whether or not I was there or not. Someone that was not even the man that invited me to church, was not even the one that caused me to sit in that section. In fact, he, he wasn't even the one that put the fear of God into me. That was his wife that turned around in the middle of service and grabbed my hands and says, whatever you find to do with these, you better do them with all of your might and you need to be doing what God told you to do. Now go do it. And I'm just, yes ma'am. Brother Smith told me stories like, 
He was an engineer, sound engineer, and he would begin to tell me stories about when they first began to put sound in the old building. And he loved to just get on the microphone when he knew that the board members were coming in and he would just begin to talk because they had speakers in the hallways. And he would begin to talk and and just say their names because they didn't know Brother Smith was there. And he would just say, Brother Bill. And he goes, they would come running into the sanctuary. And he's about this tall, just a little man. He goes, I could hide. And I would just have the little microphone and I would say, I see you. <laughs> he, that, that's the kind of stuff that Brother Smith would tell me. Those, those are the kind of things that we would talk about. He would tell me about how that he liked to do this or how he liked to do that. There was never really anything that was godly or, or anything about that to where I was convicted. He was just, we were sharing with each other and, and he was making me laugh and I would make him laugh. But all of a sudden it was in that moment that I realized this man cares whether or not I'm here or not. How would it make someone feel that has not been in the house of God in one year, two years, five years, five minutes, whatever it is, that all of a sudden when you see them, you go out of your way when you don't have to and you say, I've been missing you. I've been looking for you. I couldn't find you. I didn't have a way to talk to you. I didn't have a way to reach out. I want you to know somebody cares about you. How much would you feel if somebody that was broken, maybe that's all they're waiting for is someone to come to them and say I care that you're hurting we look around and we find them but you see I was in his section that's what he called it that's what we called it I began to understand what it meant the longer that I went there. It was his section. He took complete, just, it was ownership in that section. And whenever Brother Greg was not behind him, he was missing someone from his section. It was one of his hundred sheep that he cared about, that he prayed about. And when I wasn't there for a few weeks in a row, he wanted to know why I wasn't in his section. He wanted to know if something had happened, if I decided to go somewhere else and do something else. He said, I'm not leaving until I know what's going on I wonder what would happen if we would begin to take ownership and say this is my section this is my oikos and I'm not leaving until I know those that are around me are safe and they're okay I'm going to go out and I'm going to reach for somebody I'm going to care for somebody I'm going to pray for them why because this is my section this is my oikos this is my sphere of influence and I've got to make sure they know I care You might look at an empty seat that's been empty and think to yourself, I didn't even invite them. For some other reason, you know what, Brother Smith wasn't the one who invited me either. But he took ownership and said, I miss being around you. There's got to be something on the inside of us. We are not complete without them here. We are not complete without the broken. We are not complete without those that have walked away. We are not complete without the ones that have been broken on the inside to a place that they've shut off the house of God, that they've shut off church, that they've shut off everything around them. But I'm telling you, they haven't shut it out completely because there's something on the inside that says, I just wish someone would care. I wish someone would care enough to listen, care enough to reach out, care enough to let me know that I can make a difference, care enough to tell me that they believe in me, care enough to make a difference in my life. You are the difference in someone's life. This is not, maybe you can't, no, you are. Before I left Brother Smith, I made sure he had my number, and I pointed out where Sister Kim was at. And just so happened that his niece was three seats in front of us. 
And I said, do you see your niece? We're three seats right behind her so that I can get that back door for when Sunday school comes out. I had to open the door so that all the kids could go out. And so I, I went over there. It just made sense. And I said, but do you see your niece? I said, every time you see those kids go out, just look up and make sure I'll be at that door. I said, here's my number if you need anything. It, it, made, it, it, it made something change on the inside of me. I, I wanted to be there because it wasn't the pastor that cared about me. That's his job, so to speak. It, it wasn't leadership that cared about me. It, it wasn't even Brother Morgan's. It, it wasn't anybody from the platform. No, it was Brother Smith that came in and he was only there for that one service. And he'd usually get there a little bit late because he was older. And he had to take a long time, him and his wife, getting ready. And they would come in. But but yet that's who cared about me. Someone that didn't have to. Someone that didn't have to. They said, I'm going to make sure that I keep my sphere of influence. I keep my oikos. I'm going to make sure that I keep reaching for them. Why did it matter? Because he cared enough to look. Maybe that's all that it takes is someone caring enough to look. Caring enough to care. I love verse 5 of Luke 15. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he found it, that wasn't enough. He laid it on his shoulders and rejoices. He takes the burden of the broken one. He takes the burden of the lost one and he puts it on his shoulders. But even in the middle of all of that, he says, I've got something to rejoice about. I've got something to get excited about. It might be inconvenient, but if it's inconvenient, it ought to be something to rejoice about. Why? Because it's not the same way that it was yesterday. Yesterday you couldn't find them yesterday you couldn't reach them all of a sudden now you're carrying the burden and you're trying to care for them and so you got to have a little party have a little bit of rejoicing he said I'm going to have a party it's a personal party just for me I'm not worried who's around yesterday they wouldn't answer my call today they will I'm going to shout a little bit yesterday they wouldn't respond to my text today they did I'm going to get excited a little bit I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give in I'm going to rejoice Oh, but they're not in the fold yet. Who cares? You know what? Today you were with them. Yesterday you weren't. They're a lot closer to the fold than they were yesterday. They're a lot closer to a relationship with Him today than they were yesterday. That's why we ought to praise. That's why we ought to get excited. It doesn't matter. I found them. They're not prayed back through. I don't care. I'm going to borrow some stuff that church people say. Oh, they're not prayed back through. They're not saved again. All of those things. It doesn't matter. I found them. And they're a lot closer to the altar today than they were out there in the broken world yesterday. But they're still not with. It doesn't matter. They're closer today than they were see we forget we forget that God does a work and he can do more in one moment but we expect the moment to just happen as soon as we see them oh they realize well they're saved I should be saved too and we pray them through right there in the middle of dollar general it doesn't always happen that way Brother Stan, if you're watching, it doesn't always happen in the middle of Taco Bell. He told me to tell the story of Taco Bell when the person got prayed through again. 
It doesn't always happen that way whenever you're standing in the middle of Taco Bell and someone's hungry and you turn around, you begin to speak to them. And Brother Morgan turns around and just lays hands and they're speaking in tongues. and It doesn't always happen that way. Every once in a while, you're going to have to go out of your way. Every once in a while, you're going to have to reach down to where they are and you're going to have to say, I'll take you out to dinner. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I've given you my number and they call you at the worst times. But yet you still take time and you listen to them. And all they're doing is is crying and, and talking about everything's wrong. And all you can do is say, I love you. I care about you. What are you doing? They weren't calling yesterday. I'm excited they're calling today. They weren't reaching out yesterday. I'm excited they're reaching out today. You know what? We don't party enough. Jesus even partied. Sure he did. He looked at what he had done. It wasn't even a completed work yet. Stepped back and said, yeah, that's good stuff. If I don't say so myself, that's good stuff. He may have even called the angels over and said, Fellas, can I get an amen? That's some good stuff. He just looked at it and he said that it's good. See, Jesus himself, God himself, when he began to look, he said, I'm going to just, I'm going to celebrate even the little thing. He sets a precedent for us. It may not be a completed work, but it's a whole lot more than it was yesterday. It may not be a completed work, but it's a whole lot closer to what he had envisioned more than it was yesterday. We've got to get a hold of this that says even the little things are worth rejoicing over. Even the little things are worth having a party over. Even the little things are worth saying thank you Jesus. Even the little things that they didn't completely run away from me in the middle of Walmart. Even the little things that they looked at you and didn't think that you were going to judge them and send them to hell. Don't act like people don't feel that way. They do. They look They look at people in the house of God at times and because of, and it may have nothing to do with any of you. It could have been brother so-and-so 15 years ago that's dead and gone. He's already repented so he made it to heaven. Just keeping everything on the sunny side tonight. But that brother that's repented that they didn't realize he had repented. All he did was judge them. And so when they see you, all they see is that brother. And they are so worried told the story of my dad before but my dad whenever brother Trammell elder brother Trammell would come in that little Volkswagen van I think it was that he would come my dad would run and hide because he didn't want to talk to that skinny preacher because that skinny preacher made him feel bad skinny preacher never did anything to him but care about him but there was something that happened. But you know who my dad began to run and find whenever my, my brothers and those two boys that were sick and about to die, you know what he did? He said, i got to find that skinny preacher. I've got to find that skinny. Why? Because someone cared enough to keep coming to the house. Brother Trammell kept caring enough to come by and knocking on the door. He said, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep reaching. We've got to get to the place that when they realize there's someone to come to, they're going to come to the house of God because they know that someone cares but that's not even the house party and when he comes home he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost 15 and 9 when she has found it she calls her friends and neighbors together saying rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I lost first one found the sheep that was lost Second one says, I found the, 
the peace that I lost. Luke 15, 22 and 24, But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Every parable had a celebration. It wasn't even a party of one. No, it's a party of everybody. He said, I want everybody that will to rejoice. That's what I'm trying to get us to do tonight. I want us to understand it may not be your brother or your sister that comes in uh, but you should rejoice with them just as well uh, because there's coming a day when God's going to let your family be the ones that walk in the door and you're going to want people to celebrate you better get ready and start celebrating I'm warming up for what God's about to do I'm going to celebrate with you why because God's about to do the same thing in my family if he's no respecter of person and he's going to bring in your sons and your daughters your grandchildren and all those that, that you've been praying for for all of your life Believe me, he's about to do the same thing in my family. I'm going to celebrate with you, and I expect you to celebrate with me. I want everybody to know. I want all of hell to know. I want other churches to know. I'm not ashamed to let somebody know that they were once lost, but now they're found. I'm not here to celebrate about a number. I'm here to celebrate that they were on their way to hell, and now I'm celebrating that they're home. I'm celebrating that they're home. I'm celebrating that they're where they're supposed to be. Father said, I'm going to open up my home and I'm going, to put a, I'm going to put a robe on him. You know what he did? All he did was dress up the outside because the inside was still smelly, but they still had a party. The inside wasn't where it needed to be yet. He hadn't showered. He still smelled like the pigs, but the father said, I don't care. I want to celebrate that my son's home. He was dead and now he's home. He was dead and now he's home. We need to start celebrating. They may not be paying tithes yet, but they're in the house. They may not be dressing the same yet but they're in the house they may not be doing everything but they're in the house they may still smell like cigarettes and alcohol but they're in the house they may still be different but they're in the house I feel this so strong the father said tell the servants it's party time the father's the one that called the party not the broken one it's up to us to call the party it's up to us to be the ones that say you know what I'm going to celebrate a little and I got three of these just in case there's actually 12 and I thought they would make noises but for those of you that are online it makes noise see Sister Pennington why I wanted you to do this because you would have got something that worked but Sister Pennington told me no I'm just kidding it's our responsibility. <laughs> Brother Cameron, I have more for you after service. I was going to get hats, but the only hats that the store had in the party section said princess. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to have a party, but I'm, you know, I'm not a princess. <laughs> Thank you, I'm glad. He, the only man that, that said amen with me when I said I'm not a princess. I'll take one, that's all it takes. 
But the father looked around and said, look, I know what everybody's thinking. I know what every, I know that you smell him. I know that, that, oh, but I've been watching down that road. I've been watching. I've been searching. I've been looking. And oh, all I know is that he was gone, but now he's home. We've got to get a hold of something on the inside of us that says, you know what? Everything may not be right yet, but I'm going to celebrate what's going on. We may not have it all together yet, but I'm going to celebrate what you do. And you've also got to let that person know, I'm going to celebrate where you're at right now. I want you to celebrate. This is as much your party as it is mine. We're going to celebrate what God is doing. We're going to celebrate how God has blessed you, how God has brought you out. Sometimes I think we forget to celebrate with those that need us to celebrate with them. See, because I promise you, the only person that the prodigal saw was the elder brother. He did not see the father. He didn't see all the servants. He wasn't focused on the fatted calf. He wasn't focused on everything else that was going on. There was wonderful music. It was a party. But all I'm sure that he could focus on was the elder brother that looked at him and said, Who does he think he is? The attitude of the elder brother said he doesn't deserve any of this. I've been here this whole time. I want to get something straight right now. Jealousy has no place in the house of God. If they're coming in and they want to are broken, you ought to be the one that's shouting the most. And if it's a family member or if it's even someone that's broken you, you've got to forgive them so that God can forgive you. You've got to let it go. We've got to get to the place that we understand. Even the ones that have hurt us, we've got to worship with. Even the ones that have broken us we've got to worship with if they're willing to come to us and they're willing to come to God you better understand that you've got to get it right too get rid of the jealousy get rid of the strife and say I'm here to join the party join them and grab them by hand and say let me take you to the table myself let me get you to the party myself let me celebrate with you they opened their home and said come party with me I want somebody to understand that when you open your home, so to speak, that you are making yourself vulnerable. And when you make yourself vulnerable, all of those that are around you, there are some that may judge. There are some that may look and say, I don't understand. But you just keep on praising. Why? Because they don't know like you know what God has just done for you. They don't know what you had lost and now you found. They don't know what was gone and now you've went through all of it and you've carried them home. They don't know that you waited every day for the prodigal to come home. So you better just get ahead and say, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to worship. And if you don't understand, I pray that you don't worry about it too much because I'm just going to keep on praising. I'm going to keep on worshiping. I don't need you to understand why I am like I am. It might help. It might. But I owe so much. I owe him so much. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Oh, I once was blind, 
What were you blinded by? I was blinded by pain and hurt and confusion. I, I was blinded by the things of this world. I, I was blinded by everything that everybody else was doing because that's all I could see. All I could see is how it looked like they were being blessed and I was being left behind. It looked like they were cared for and nobody knew where I was at. I was blind. Oh, but now I see. And now I see and all I see is the goodness of God. Is the mercy of God. Is the power of God. So I preach with everything that I've got. I pray with everything that I've got. I reach with everything that I've got. Why? Not so that I can have any praise or anything about me. No. I've got an oikos that I want to get bigger. I've got a sphere of influence that I want to reach somebody. That their sphere is full of pain. But I've got peace. Their sphere is full of hurt. But I've got healing. Their sphere is full of all of the things of their past. But I've got a future. I want to introduce them to a man called Jesus. That's why... I am like I am. You still stunk like pigs. But you know what? There's a precedence in this. Luke 15 and 7, I say to you that likewise there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Heaven is more, if we had 99 wonderful people in here, All of you were saved and holy and sanctified and all those other words. Good people. Your names were written down in the Lamb's book of life. But out in the parking lot, there was one sinner that turned their life over to God. Where do you think the angels are going to be rejoicing? In here or out there? They're rejoicing because there was one that was lost. There was, there, there, there was one that was lost. I'm sh- they're happy. Oh, don't. He's not saying that he's not happy that there's 99 that are safe. No, it takes a lot to be saved. It takes a lot to have that relationship. It's like the old saying, living for God is easy or, or living for God is hard. Or, I don't know what it is, but it, it, it's something in that. You know what I'm trying to get out, hopefully. Living for God is easy if you do it hard. Living for God is hard if you do it easy. Is that something like that? Every once in a while, though, we need to get excited about the one. We need to get excited, just like in Luke 15 and 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's why we come in here on Sunday mornings and we worship. That's why we come in here on Monday night and we pray and we're here on Wednesday night for Bible study. That's why, because we're here to create an atmosphere so that whenever someone comes in that's broken, they can find a place of repentance. They can find a place of repairing what's been broken. There will be none of the, we'll see how long this lasts, attitudes. And that is not at Bethel. But I have ran into those people. I've had that said to me about a person. And I just looked at them and said, you have no idea what they've been through. If we could ever 
get rid of that attitude, that holier than thou, that just says, oh, we'll see, because I'm so saint. No, we've got to say, I'm reaching and I'm rooting for you. I care about you. I'm not about to let you be lost again. I'm going to celebrate what God is doing. And if you're weary, let me help you. If you're weary, let me hold you up. If you're broken, let me do something to help you heal. I want restoration in your life. Plan on partying over everyone. One sinner, one separated from the love of God that makes a willful act to turn around and go another way. That's worth celebrating. That's why I want us to pray the prayer of Jabez. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. We want them in our oikos. That's why we pray, enlarge my border. We're saying enlarge my sphere of influence. Jabez, you may have been born in pain, but God is granting you your request. You need to rejoice. What you've been through is why you can be sensitive to someone else that's been broken. I hate that you had to go through it, but it's what you've been through that's going to make you sensitive to what someone else is going through. It's your brokenness. It's your pain. It's your suffering. It's your loss. That's why you'll be able to reach down to where they are and say I've been there but I met a God and I met a person that was there with me. They carried me. They helped me. It's your pain. How can I be excited because oh I'm not there anymore. The walls may still be up but they're softening. They may not trust you yet but they're closer today than they were yesterday to trusting you. I'm trying to get you to party because of just a little bit of movement. We want it all at once, and sometimes that happens, but, oh, we need to be reminded that little is much when God is in it. In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling to the harvest, calling you. Does the place you're called to labor seem too small and little known? It is great if God is in it, and He'll not forget His own. When the conflict here is ended and our race on earth is run, He will say, if we are faithful, welcome home, my child, well done. Why would He say it? Because little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. I want someone to understand that little is much when God is in it that's why I can rejoice over a little movement that's why I can throw a party over a little step that's why I can have a good time just over a little bit because if I take and I put my little bit in his hands there's a blessing that's going to come and he's going to magnify it he's going to multiply it I can celebrate it it's party time it's party time not going to try to blow in that stupid thing again. It's cardboard. You blow in it twice, it's all wet. My oikos is expanding. Bethel's oikos is expanding. Did you know that? I have proof. On our online, when we put our messages on, the audio, we are in 12 countries now. When I first looked, we were in like three and then four and then I was excited because seven, oh, that's complete heaven number, seven. 
Then we got to 11, and we had 7-11. My goodness, they're open all night. Last week, we hit 12. It's expanding. It's expanding. In countries that we will never be, more than likely, I will never set my foot unless God decides. But there are countries. One of them is in Africa. And, and more than likely, I will never be there. But yet, every week, someone in Africa is listening to our services. I go online and I check on Facebook and the live stream and there are over 20 different countries that watch us. <laughs> Heaven help them. Our oikos is expanding. We have people coming in each and every Sunday morning that, that we didn't invite, but yet we're, we're, we're expanding. Why? Because we've been praying and saying, God, in, enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. And what happens on a Sunday morning like last Sunday morning? Uh, they're in the altars uh, and nobody wanted to leave. It was almost 1 o'clock before we got out of here. Uh, and all of a sudden people are still praying. Uh, they're still worshiping. They're in the altars. God is moving. Why? Because he said, I'm going to give you what you're asking for. Uh, because you're asking for the right reason. Uh, and the right reason uh, is to save someone that was lost. Uh, is to help someone that was broken. Uh, it was to bring someone back home. My influence of peace and hope is expanding into their region that was filled with chaos and pain. We're going to care enough to look and then we're going to party with them when we find them. Tonight we're going to go to the Lord in prayer for your needs. I went through all 25 pages, even blowing those things that didn't work. Brother Amol messaged before service and said that he is not feeling good. He's still got all of these things that are going on with him and asked that we would pray. We're going to pray and believe that God is touching him. Those that were not here earlier, Brother Stan called yesterday and let me know that he came through. Uh, out of his surgery, he actually, Brother Darren said that he texted him and sent him a picture of, of him sitting up not too long after the surgery. But he called and, and said that he called Brother Darren and said that he was in a lot of pain and asked that we would pray for him. And I told him that we would. He wanted me to let you all know thank you. He said it's your prayers that got him through. And he said, I can feel their prayers. And so we're, I just told him, we're going to continue to pray. God didn't bring you this far just to let all of these other things. No, he's going to take you and he's going to help you the rest of the way. We want to continue to pray. Sister Bowman is not feeling the greatest today, but we serve a God that's able to touch her before you get home, Brother Bowman. I just believe that he will. There are many needs that are in the house. Would you stand? I have felt this on my heart. I have another message that goes along with this, but I want us to understand if we will simply care enough to care. There were times that I was so broken, and I'll just talk about me because I know me the best, that I told I told my wife, I told Kim, I said, if one person would just call, that's all it would take and I'd be able to get through. I was speaking to a minister friend of mine and we hadn't seen each other in 
about 10 years. And he just, we were talking and catching up, and, and he said, I didn't know what was going on. He goes, if I would have known, then he made this statement, I would have called. And I just looked at him and just wept, grabbed him and hugged him, and I said, just knowing that you care now, that I was hurting then. Do you know how much it matters just to know that someone cares? Brother Manning and Sister Manny, you guys, they, they told me they'd, they ran into some people in a grocery store that they were broken. Sister O'Brien has told us about the lady, I think it was in Walmart, that she ran into. The lady just comes up to her and says, you're Pentecost, aren't you? I was raised that way. Would you pray for me? Brother Jack was on the platform Sunday morning. and About a month ago, he was coming through Hardee's on a Sunday morning. A little girl at the window said, are you on your way to church? And she said, yeah. And he goes, she just looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, will you pray for me? This Sunday morning, he said, she was on my heart so bad. He said, I drove all the way to Butler Hill Road. I went past the church, went through the drive-thru, and she was in the window. And I said, do you remember me? And he said that she said, yeah. And he goes, you told me to pray. And he goes, I drove all the way up here just to let you know one thing. I'm still praying for you. Just to know that someone cares. Just to know that you care. Would you lift your hands with me and let's just pray.